following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. coming to the end of our um, study of Paul's epistles, uh, epistle to the Ephesians. Um, and a big uh, hint of that is uh, our text this morning starts with the word finally. Uh, so we know we're getting towards the end. But we'll see if we can stretch it out for another month or so. Are we going to be looking at Ephesians 6? Uh, verse 10 through 13 this morning, and that's at page 979 in the Pew Bibles, if that's helpful to you. Um, these, um, these short verses, I believe, have a powerful impact in the lives of believers in Jesus uh, because they are a reminder of uh, the ultimate reality. They describe what life is really about and what's going on in the world. Quite often in our household, we have a discussion about what's, what's going on in the rest of the world, not because we care about so much uh, foreign affairs or that sort of thing, but that there's a whole life outside of uh, just outside plastic and, uh, and electronic world. There's so much else going on. Um, but these words that we'll look at in Ephesians 6, they are a reminder to us uh, of the ultimate reality and who our enemy really is, what our resources really are, and what, our own ultimate, what ultimately our responsibility is. Now, you know how much I like three-point sermons, and all the points start with the same letter. Well, we're going to look at the text together and then we'll pray and dive in. Ephesians 6, verse 10. <clears throat> Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Let's pray. Thank you. Father, we are grateful that your word is not pole punches. We are grateful that your word tells us the truth. And if we had opened our eyes to it and soften our hearts to it, we would be instructed by you and that our thinking would be changed and our hearts would be transformed. So we pray, Lord, this morning as we look at these things that you would open our eyes, you would soften our hearts, that we would hear you and respond and that you would alter the way that we think and adjust our uh, perception to match your reality. 
So, Lord, we ask you to mess us up for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there are, there are few verses in Scripture, I believe, that are more important than these, very few. When it comes to examining the reality of Christian life, these ones are at the top of the list. There are a few verses that more clearly describe what we're really up against in this life. These verses stand as a reminder of reality that we might sharpen our focus and rid ourselves of distraction and be about the business that the Lord has given us to do. We are reminded here that there really is a fight to be fought. And that there we have a very real enemy. Do you know that? I don't know if you're aware of this or not. I have no idea. I've not talked to any of you about this before. But there are many people who have undertaken to remove the idea of the very real devil from the theology of the church. That uh, they say Satan is just an ideological representative of evil, um, but not a real being, and not doesn't have real agents at work in the world. Asa um, Bennett said in a movie one time that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince people he didn't exist. Now I'll give a lollipop to anybody who can tell me who that movie is after service then I'll be able to condemn you for the movies you've been watching. <laughs> Uh-oh. Be in trouble. I have. It's one of my favorites, honestly. The devil is very real. Do you hear me? Satan is very real. Jesus said while speaking to a group of Jews, recorded in John chapter 8, verses 43 and 44. He said, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, does it sound to you like Jesus just talking about the concept of evil? They say, talk about uh, ideological uh, figment? No. He's speaking of a very real being. We call him Satan, the accuser, our adversary. Well, why is it important to know who your enemy is? That's a good point. I should have wrote that down. Maybe I did. We'll see. Beyond the practical, beyond, beyond the idea that we, we won't know how to fight until we know who we're fighting, uh, knowing who our enemy is will, make us, will, will help us make sure that we are fighting the right person. Well, I was thinking about this this week. I couldn't help but think of the game of chess. You've heard of it? It's been around for a year or so. And how in the game of chess, I'm not a big chess player, so don't think I'm a chess nerd or anything like that. It's just I know that it exists. I'm not very good at it. 
In the game of chess, where is the conflict? Is it between the pieces? It's not. Pieces are wood, plastic, stone, glass. The conflict is between the players. Are the pieces just what they use to exercise their conflict? Warren Wiersbe said, The important point is that our battle is not against human beings. It's against spiritual powers. We're wasting our time fighting people when we ought to be fighting the devil who seeks to control people and make them oppose the work of God. Now, how easy is it for us to think that the people are what's really giving us trouble? It's very easy. It's our first isn't that the first thing we go to? How dare you cut me off in traffic, you jerk? Right? Because we give all the credit to that person. We don't think, we don't think beyond right here, right in front of our face. We don't think that God might be at work in something to slow us down. We don't think that God might be at work in something to keep us from doing the things that we want to do. Right? Now, I don't want to say that because I have a, just because I have problems that keep me from doing what I want to do. It's the truth, whether I had any problem before or not. I had plenty before I couldn't talk right, believe me. God uses all of these things to steer us like water in a stream. Every rock, every log, right? He uses. We might not like it, but he's at work. And when the people give us trouble... There's one of two people behind the trouble. It's either the Lord or the devil. That's all there is to it. Verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now I'll tell you, there are only two types of people in the world. Only two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Those who are in the kingdom of darkness are those who are deceived or are willingly, willfully disobedient to the truth. They either don't believe the gospel is real or they know it's real and reject it. Their ruler is the devil and he is the enemy. Another people under his dominion. Now we often think about this army this way that uh, those are people who are opposed to the gospel, they're the bad guy. They are captives and they have no choice but to fight for our enemy. When we look at people that are apart from Christ as captives, not as adversaries, I think it changed the way we think, changed the way we act and talk. Scripture describes Satan as the god of this age, the prince of the power of the air, a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And he has dominion over the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers of this present darkness, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. He's not alone. He is very real, and he is very powerful. 
and has one goal, and that's to destroy us. To steal and kill and destroy. So when your friends celebrate the devil and make it a joke, they are deceived. And he is holding them captive. And rather than be angry with them because they're this foolish way that they live, we should have compassion on them and pray that they would be released from captivity. Our enemy is not people. No matter how hateful or wicked or opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ that they might be, our enemy is the devil, and those people are his captives. This has not been any more real than in this uh, crazy season of life we live in in our country, where these riots and hate and all kinds of terrible things are happening because the devil is having his way. And rather than stand and wave a sign and shout and scream, we need to pray. Because the devil cannot stand against that. He cannot stand against the Lord. He will not last. He's even deceived himself to think he's winning. But he's wrong. Now, um, Paul, in our text this morning, does not remind of does not remind us of our very real, very powerful enemy in order to terrify us, but to remind us of whose side we're really on and what kind of battle we're really in. I don't, I can't even begin to guess whether or not the devil is aware of this or not, but he's already lost. He already lost the war. Do you know when? When Jesus rose from the grave. He was defeated. He thought he won on the cross. But by dying on the cross and rising from the dead, Jesus made it possible for anyone who would trust in him to be forgiven of their sins. Sin is the only weapon the devil has. And it's been removed from him. For those who trust in Jesus. And if you have put your trust in Jesus and accepted his forgiveness and his death on your behalf... There are resources available to you. Wells of strength are available to you that are beyond your wildest imagination. Sometimes we get tricked into thinking that all we got to do is survive. Just to make it through the day like just skidding in with no rubber left on our tires. But there is more for us. Paul writes in verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This means literally, be strengthened by the Lord. Be strengthened by the strength of his might. Unfortunately, our English translation didn't really do us any favors there because it's uh, a passive. We just, uh, no, it's not passive. That's not the right word. There's a word for it. Take my word for it. This is not... Um, um, it's something we have to, that is done for us to be strengthened. Someone else does it for us to be strengthened by the Lord, strengthened by the strength of His might. If we lean on our own resources, on our own strength, our own ideas, our own wisdom, we will fall and we will fail. 
But if we lean on the Lord, if we find our strength in His strength, our power in His power, we will stand. We will withstand the attacks of the enemy. That doesn't mean to be easy, but it means the battle's already won. Listen to the words of Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is the, at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in a Christ Jesus our Lord. These are the resources available to us. Do you know that? Satan wants to destroy us, and the only way that he can do that is by making us fail in the eyes of the Lord. But it is God who justifies. He is the one who sits on the throne, and he knows that if we have faith and trust in him, we will never be condemned. Christ's resources are our resources. His strength is our strength. So be strengthened in the Lord. And in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of good, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Our enemy is the devil, not a people. Our resources are the strength of the Lord Jesus and the whole armor of good. And our responsibility is to take up those armaments of God and to stand our ground. Paul will go into detail about the different pieces of the armor of God using that figure in the verses that follow, and we'll look at those uh, next time. But the instruction to us is to put on the whole armor of God and stand. Now, 
again, I don't mean to pick on translators. They're a lot of smart people, a lot smarter than me. But the word armor, we think of defense. But that's not really what the word here means. It's not just defensive items like a shield and helmet. The word is armaments. That's offensive and defensive weapons of a soldier. We are reminded to take it all up. Put on the whole armor of God. Not just one piece. Don't leave parts hanging on the wall because you don't like them. They don't fit good. They're not comfortable. And neglect all the resources God made available to us. I don't want to give away next week's sermon. But you know how many people are wandering around with just a helmet of salvation and they forgot everything else? Almost everybody. Well, I'm saved. I do whatever I want. Ah, sure, I believe in Jesus. Ah, to heck with the rest. You can't tell me what to do. I don't have to go to church. I don't need to be part of any of this stuff. I'm saved. That's like just wandering around looking to get stabbed. Or you won't get hit in the head. There's so much more. So much more for us. Now we'll yell more about that next week. Take a break. Calm down. Look at him. I'm going to yell the rest, even though there's no explanation. And the, the yelling things, you know. <laughs> Yell here, it says. <laughs> Verse 11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And verse 13 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. And when our trust is in the Lord Jesus, his strength becomes our strength. When we, when we take up the whole armor of God, we will be able to stand up against the schemes of the devil, our real enemy. And when the days come, that the attacks just seem too much to bear when it seems that the enemy is bearing down on us and fear and despair are slithering around our ankles. Our friends have turned on us and the systems of the world all turn against us. Through the strength of the Lord, trusting only in him and clothed in all his armor, we will be able to stand our ground. Having done all, as it says in verse 13, having over overcome and the onslaught of the enemy, we will stand firm. This is not a stand in victory. This is stand our ground. We will be able to defend ourselves because the Lord is our real defense. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. This victory is only possible 
through faith in Jesus and his blood shed for us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for a reminder this morning who our enemy really is. I pray, Lord, that as we think about our lives in the light of these verses, that you would show us where we have been treated people as the enemy. And rather than condemn them or hate them or be angry with them, that we would have compassion for them and pray for them. That you would set them free through faith in Jesus Christ. You are the one who changes hearts, not us. No argument that we could make, no uh, pitch that we could sell will ever save anyone. Only the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, you would use us to speak words of love and truth, and that we would represent you well, that we'd put on your whole armor and count on you for our defense and our offense. And we thank you, Lord, and we thank you for the resources you've made available to us. I pray that we would avail ourselves to them. We love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890. 